You're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. Today's episode will be a part of our People Leader Series, where we go behind the scenes with today's top HR leaders and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they're at and what they really do every day. Our guest today is Cleo Knowles, Chief People Person at Virgin Hotels. Cleo, how you doing? Great, thanks. How are you tonight? We're doing doing all right, doing all right. I feel like I need to give you a special kudos since you're on PTO. Uh, you're joining us from the Scottish Highlands, is that right? That's right. I'm actually uh, in Edinburgh tonight, but ah. yes, it's a little bit later for me. <laughs> nice. So, well, thank. Go ahead, Daniel. No, I was going to say explain explain to us the the photo you sent us yesterday. Uh, so uh, yesterday I did a tour. I was I was staying up in Inverness in the northern part of the Scottish Highlands, and I went to the Isle of Skye, which is very famous for many reasons, but very famous in Scottish history for being where Bonnie Prince Charlie escaped to the English and escaped to France. And it's a beautiful island, but it's very magical and mystical. And we got a lot of uh, rainy weather yesterday. So I got to climb some of the peaks on the Isle of Skye and some of the mountains with my guide. And he caught me, <laughs> he caught me almost falling off the cliff, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. Like literally falling off. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit more clumsier than I think I am in real life. And I think I discovered that I, I need to be a little bit more careful with things. So, yeah, it was it was a really beautiful day. Some sheep decided to come and keep us company and the mists rolled in and it all looked very otherworldly and magical. It was an amazing day. I've never been to Scotland. It's on my list of places to visit, but I've spent a lot of time in England in the Lake District and, you know, the Northern parts and it's absolutely beautiful. I think the word magical is is an appropriate word for that part of the country. You'll have to come uh, sooner rather than later since my company's opening two hotels up here soon. Oh, wow. Now, now, now I have a reason and a place to stay, so it's perfect. Well, thanks for carving out time to speak with us. We like to start out each episode with what we call a good news stories. And this can be something personal or professional. We're all going to share something. So who wants to, to kick us off with, with good news stories? I can go. All right. So I have a dog named Duncan who is about eight years old. I think he just turned eight. And he's like the biggest sweetheart in the world with people, but for whatever reason, doesn't like dogs. So we thought like better late than never, let's get him in training and see if we can change that. And I think he's like two and a half weeks in and he's made a lot of progress. Now it'll just be a matter of us like sticking to it and making sure we're following the program. But I don't know. It's, it's pretty amazing seeing my dog who I've seen be really reactive towards other dogs, like be able to sit butt to butt with a dog. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I'm a proud uh, dog dad right now. That's awesome. Duncan is, is, uh, is very chill, but when he, man, when he gets excited, he gets excited. That's for sure. Uh, well, I'll go next. My, my good news story is work related. I usually do personal, so I'm going to switch it up. So we have been working for months on a major like product release, like a total upgrade to our analytics platform. And, uh, and we finally rolled that out. 
on Wednesday of this week. So it's nice to like get that behind us and kudos to the team for getting it done. But uh, that was a pretty, that's really good news for us. That's a great story, Stephen. And I'm actually now wishing I'd gone earlier because my story was also a work one about launching our online learning platform this week, which I'm super excited about. We've been working on it for like a year. We were finally able to develop enough content where we felt we were ready to launch in English and Spanish. We call it VPrep. And because we thought, you know, universities and things like that sound so boring from company side. And uh, we launched it on Monday. It's super, super excited with over 50 courses in English and Spanish on a bunch of different topics. So really excited about that. Wow, that does. Well, we may have to ask more about that here in a, in a sec. So let's jump into the conversation today, Cleo. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career journey? Give us you know, the cliff notes on what led up to you being you know, the chief people person at Virgin Hotels. Give us, give us a little insight to, to your journey. Sure. Well, to be honest, I'm still kind of surprised I'm here. Um, I did not go into the world of people or human resources the traditional way. I actually went to drama school. And I went to drama school in L.A. And then I did a postgraduate program in London. And um, while I was working in London after graduating, I was offered an opportunity to join a hotel company in the Bahamas, which is where my family is from and my family were living at the time. So I accepted the job and, and went back and started working for the president and CEO of a hotel company called Kersner International. And I just fell in love with the industry. And after a few years, I was lucky enough where the head of human resources at that company asked me to come and work for her in Miami and helped train me in the HR side of the business. I'd had a very great opportunity to live in a lot of different countries when I was younger. So I kind of understood the global piece of what my company was doing and had a lot of contacts in lots of different countries and was able to embrace sort of that cultural piece of um, the HR world. And then I was lucky enough to continue growing within that organization. When I left, I was the sort of head of global HR there. And Virgin came, uh, came just about the right time when I was looking for a new challenge. And I joined Virgin eight and a half years ago and have been lucky enough to help grow and build the company basically from the ground up. I was employee number seven when I joined. So I've had a, a really incredible opportunity to, to help build the culture here at Virgin Hotels. It's all very personal to me. So. Yeah, I bet you've seen a lot there being being such an early employee. And so. No, I was just say it's interesting. Like when I hear Virgin, I think of this like massive company. So it's really interesting to hear that when you got there, Virgin Hotels was essentially a startup and you've seen it grow from, you know, the ground up. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's interesting with the Virgin companies because a lot of people make that assumption um, that because Virgin overall is such a big company that the independent companies must be the same. But, you know, truly each company operates as a, as a startup and they're independently funded. They have different ownership groups. So, you know, when you think of Virgin, it's, you know, however many different companies around the world, but each one is run independently and, and very separate to the other. So we do a lot of work and we do a lot of crossover, but they're all very independent using uh, the same overall arch, overarching brand. So. 
And so well, why don't you tell us a little more? Because I think, you know, to to Daniel's point, I think I'm I'm a bit of a Richard Branson fanboy, the Virgin brand. It's so iconic. You've got you've done so much, you know, there's been so much amazing work and I feel like TED Talks and like everything around the culture. So tell us, I, I honestly don't know that much about Virgin Hotels. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your business. Yeah, so Richard has always said that the thing he does best is hire people that are smarter than him at the areas that he wants to grow the business. So he brought in my former CEO, who is a well-known hotelier, Raul Leal, to help found the business 10 years ago. And um, when Raul decided to move on earlier this year, he brought in a gentleman from Montage who's going to continue to help develop the business for for the future generation. But every Virgin company operates very, very independently. And you know, it's funny because Virgin Voyages, which has just launched out of Miami, they're actually, they took over my old company's offices in plantations. So when I go up and visit them, I'm like, wait a second, what's going on here? <laughs> so we all work together, but we just don't have shared ownership and shared board interests. So. Got it. Got it. And so in how many locations do you guys have in properties around the world and what countries do you operate in? So, so far, we're only in the U.S., but I'm actually okay. over here in Scotland helping to prepare for the opening of our two hotels in Edinburgh and Glasgow next year. So, we were going to go from being a, a U.S.-only company to having two international properties within just a short few months in 2022. So, really excited about that. COVID obviously has slowed that process down. We would have loved to have opened them this year, but we're just excited that they're uh, close to opening now. And great locations. The one in Edinburgh is actually part of it's a new build and part of it's a historic building. So when they were doing the renovations to build the new build, they had to um, allow the um, archeologists to come because Edinburgh is such an old city. Whenever you knock a building down and you start to do construction, the archeologists just come and, and excavate the site. And when they were excavating our site before we built, they actually found uh, this round stone, which they believe was one of the first ever cannonballs fired on Edinburgh in the siege of Edinburgh in the year 1301. 1301? That's insane. I think 1300 or 1301. I don't know. It just looks like a really big round stone to me, but they think these trebuchets fired it onto the city. And yeah, it's pretty interesting. I love these unexpected history lessons that we get on the modern people leader. Like, I feel like we've (laughs) learned some very random things on this show. Um, so really you mentioned have. you mentioned COVID, and I guess like one big trend that's come out of uh, of, of COVID in the past eighteen nineteen months, however long it's been, is remote working. And you know, since you're in the hotel business, remote working isn't really an option at all for you all. So I'm just curious, like, what does the future of work look like for Virgin Hotels? Is there a version of that for for the hotel industry? Yeah, it's very difficult because obviously we have teammates who have to be um, on the floor. We have we, we're in customer service. We have to be there to service the customers. Of course, there's always some positions at the executive committee levels at our hotels that do have the flexibility to be able to work remotely at least part of the weeks. But what we found is that most of our teammates don't want to do that because they want to be available for our team and to show them solidarity that they're there as well. So. 
we reopened the hotels that we'd had to close during COVID. We reopened everything by last beginning of July last year. And we've actually opened three new hotels during the pandemic. So it's definitely been an interesting, I don't know what we're at now, 19, 20-month journey for us. But I think we're coming out of it stronger and better. And being able to show that we can take the pandemic in stride and still open hotels and protect our teammates and protect our guests, I think has gone a long way in making people feel comfortable about what we're doing as a brand in terms of not just looking after our customers, but health and safety and, and everything else. Um, so, so you mentioned that, that you're launching hotels during COVID. I'm curious, what, what did a hotel launch look like pre-COVID versus now? A lot less masks. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting because we obviously, you know, we had to find, we, we broke our training into smaller sessions and larger spaces. So it takes a little bit more time and everyone was always fully masked in all of our trainings and we did COVID testings and, you know, uh, contact tracing, temperature checks, everything that we could to ensure the safety of our teammates and, you know, knock on wood, uh, we're what, 20 months into this pandemic and we've been able to keep our team safe, so. Well, switching gears a bit, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you guys are really dialed into at Virgin Hotels right now from a people perspective? So we're really technology focused. The pandemic has really accelerated the emphasis on technology from both the guest side and the teammate side. You know, I mentioned that we've just launched our online learning platform. So looking at different ways to be able to communicate with our team that doesn't necessarily involve in-person or face-to-face -face meetings, but still maintains that connectivity and communication with the team. We created an internal people platform, which we call The Beat, because it's the heartbeat of the hotel. And it's where all information is shared. We're doing open enrollment on there right now. We're doing an employee engagement survey right now. We've just launched our online learning. We've launched a texting service so that if we have emergencies, we can reach out to our teammates and say, is everyone safe? Having just gone through a hurricane in New Orleans, you know, two weeks after we opened there, we realized that would be a great functionality of the site. So we're really relying on, on technology solutions to help us communicate with our team uh, more efficiently, more quickly, and more safely. That's really impressive. So I feel like most companies would just go find an internal communications tool and roll it out. What, what led to y'all wanting to build this custom solution? So when we actually, when I joined, we didn't, there weren't products out there like there are today. There, um, there was there were some things that they just weren't very customizable and they weren't very aligned with what we were trying to build culturally. So we recognized that if we built something ourselves, we could actually brand it and make it really culturally aligned with what we were trying to create versus just trying to use an off-the-shelf solution. If there were some of the off-the-shelf solutions that exist now, there are some great companies out there doing great things. We might have gone a different direction. But again, when we first thought of this, nothing really was out in the marketplace. So we just started to build something that was very bespoke. And as we've grown, it's grown with us. And it's been great because the team that we work with is phenomenal on the IT side. And we've really been able to customize it to our needs. And if we get feedback from the employees, which we always ask them during the employee survey, which we're rolling out right now, what else would you like to see? Then we take that and we, we use that to build to the next level. 
Uh, one example of that would be we just launched gender pronouns on the on the site, so people can choose you know how they prefer to be referred to. And I think that there's not a lot of um, sites out there that might be offering that, or there's not a lot of companies that are doing that. But this really allows us to truly customize to what we think our teammate needs and desires are. That's really cool. I think it's uh, when you can when you can build something in-house that really meets the needs of the company, that is always a great, a great approach. The problem is, you know, having the, the technical know-how in-house to be able to execute on that. So, so kudos on the, the big launch. On the topic of the great resignation, I know that's something we've talked a lot about with our clients, you know, is, are you guys worried about that? We've, we've also had discussions on the Modern People Leader, how there is a, a crisis right now with hourly workers. Uh, since you're in the hospitality field, I'm just curious, you know, what is the environment like? What are some of the things you guys are doing to, to combat um, and strengthen ret retention? I think from our viewpoint, those are probably two separate things. So the great resignation, I think a lot of companies are experiencing because they're coming back to work now and coming back into the workplace. We've been in the workplace. You know, I've been traveling since last April we reopened food and beverage in some of our hotels last May or June. You know, our hotels have been operational. So we haven't seen as much of an impact from that. What we are seeing is as we're opening new hotels or as we're looking for talent as we, you know, reopen food and beverage or things like that, we are struggling a little bit more to attract talent into the industry. But I think, again, this is where having a strong company culture speaks for itself. In our hotel in Chicago, we still have teammates that have been with us since our opening, which was almost seven years ago now. And many of those teammates are in housekeeping or in food and beverage. And the fact that they're still with us speaks to the strength of what we've built and what they experience on a day-to-day -day basis, how we took care of them during the pandemic. And so when they go out and, you know, we involve them in interviews or, you know, can, uh, communicate to candidates about that and we can share those statistics, people understand that we're a company that cares about our employees, that we take care of them, that we value them. And that really influences our ability to recruit and retain talent in a positive way. That's so awesome. And I think that for those that are in non-corporate type of industries, you know, I think that's the, the challenge is real of attracting new talent. And so, you know, I'm just curious, are there any programs that you, you guys have in place or anything unique that, uh, that you could share about tactics for how to combat and, and attract and fill some of these wrecks that you guys have open? So that's a great question. And I think that the main issue is there's a lot of people competing for the same talent. So if you're going after the same people that everyone else is, of course, it's going to turn into a, a, you know, a bloodbath. But what we've tried to do at Virgin Hotels is really focus our attention on the underserved population. So there's a ton of people out in the workplace that, well, want to be in the workplace, but aren't because they're not being recruited. So we're looking at programs. We're actually just launched in the last month programs in all of our cities to work with organizations that focus on hiring the underserved. So whether that's looking at refugee populations, whether that's looking at veterans, or in our case, more recently, we've started to focus on hiring the neurodivergent. So individuals who may have Down syndrome or who may be on the scale of autism, but who really want to work and have great talents to bring to the industry, but just aren't being utilized in the right way or aren't being offered opportunities. 
So I think that's one of the ways that companies should really be focusing on the underserved populations instead of just going after um, the same few individuals that everyone is. I think that's so awesome. And for me, you know, diversity initiatives that, um, you know, it, it's like two, it's a win-win, right? Because it's a diversity initiative plus it, uh, it, it's serving a critical need of the business. And I think that's just so cool that you guys, uh, you guys are doing that. Again, switching gears a little bit, because uh, I just have so many, it's just so fascinating, the differences between services or hospitality and kind of the corporate world. You know, I know that vaccinations and vaccination mandates have been a big area of discussion in, in hospitality and just services industry in general. And so I'm curious, you know, has that been a difficult thing for, for you guys to manage? You know, what does that look like? Sure. So that's been taken out of our hands to some extent, especially by the most recent OSHA mandate, which finally came out um, last Thursday. Um, we're still, you know, coming up with our plan on how to handle the employees who've chosen not to be vaccinated and how to handle testing, whether we're offering that to them or if we're requiring them to go to an external provider and get tested. But, in, you know, it hasn't been easy because many people in our industry have taken the position they would prefer not to be vaccinated, but it's not something that we've mandated for them to do. But in some cases, the cities have actually required that. For example, in the city of New Orleans, if you want to work in food and beverage, the mayor has required that you be vaccinated. So it's, um, in many cases, it's not actually our decision to make, which in some ways has absolutely made it easier for us because we just have to follow what those city or state mandates are. So, you know, we, we've asked this next question I'm about to ask you to other guests, but I'm just so curious what your answer will be from the lens of the hospitality industry. Um, what do you think will be the biggest impact or change that we'll see two to three years from now? based on everything that's happened in the last two years? Do you have any bold predictions for, for things that hospitality companies will offer their employees or any drastic changes that you think will happen in the workplace? So I think, um, I don't know if it's a bold prediction, but I definitely think that masks are not going to go away anytime soon. I think there will be individuals who will choose to wear masks in the workplace or when they're traveling or, or visiting, you know, public places such as hotels, um, regardless of whether or not it's required or whether it's popular. Um, it's been really interesting being over here in the UK. Um, in England, the laws are a little bit more lax and you're not required to wear masks. But in Scotland, they are still on full mask mandates. So to go anywhere, to enter any premise, you still have to wear a mask. And so I just think that there will always be individuals who, going forward, will just feel more comfortable, whether they're on a plane or in a public space like an F&B venue, that will just feel more comfortable wearing those. So I do think that's going to be um, uh, a pretty significant impact to this part of the world. I think in Asia, it's kind of accepted that people wear masks on a regular basis. But as you've seen in, in the U.S., that has received a lot of um, feedback from different areas. So it'll be interesting to see in three or five years' time where we are with that. I agree with that. I Me think too. that I think that masks are here to stay. I, I personally, it's interesting, you know, if I, unless I like subconsciously like forget my mask or like I walk into the grocery store, 
I, without it, like my immediate impulse is like, oh shoot, I need, I need to go get, get a mask. And, and so I, it's almost just like my, I'm wired to, to operate that way these days. And so it's also interesting to me how, how countries that are so close to each other could have such, such different positions on, you know, the, on mandates and just how protocols around COVID, I find that really interesting as well. So another one of the, the questions that we ask frequently and um, also curious to get your your response is if you had a magic wand and you could change one thing that companies could do to better support their people what would that be who that's a tough one i mean you know there's so many things that i'd love to see every company doing for our teammates uh, or for their teammates I think the most important thing and, and what we kind of tried to see as our guiding light at Virgin Hotels is actually seeing employees as people, as human beings. So as you know, as we've discussed, we call it people, not human resources. And, and one of the reasons for that is when you start to refer to human beings just as resources and they're just numbers on a balance sheet, you forget the stories of that these are individuals just like you and I who have families to support and and you know different goals and ambitions in life and I think it's too easy to just look at a balance sheet and say well we got to cut a few people and uh, you know that's going to save our PL for the next six months or whatever and I think more companies actually saw their employees as human beings instead of just um, resources and numbers on a balance sheet then they would maybe change their policies in the way they approach things and I think we definitely saw that during COVID and in the initial stages when companies were shutting down. You know, I'm very proud of the fact that at Virgin Hotels, we actually paid furlough pay to our teammates, which, you know, I don't think any other hotel company of our size did. And that was really important to us because we preached that we care about our teammates. And this was a critical moment when we were able to prove to them that we did care. And we kept them on medical benefits. And, you know, we looked after them during that time. We stayed in contact with them. We kept them updated. And I think too many companies don't value their employees as individuals, and that needs to change for the future of work to really be successful. Yeah, and I think that's pretty similar to what Dom said. Uh, Dom Boone from from Liberty Latin America said, and he came on that everything going forward should shift to being more human centric. And yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Well, and the other thing that Dom shared was one of the traits, you know, so they have like eight, eight traits of a, an effective manager. And one of the traits is the, the managers that take this human centric approach and ask their, 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 their people, how their personal lives are, you know, how things are going, like every check-in time was spent, you know, on the, the human element and mm -hmm. it, you know, at our company, that's the number one value is be human and like be human with respect to how we work with our clients, but be human with respect to how we treat each other. So I'm yeah. all about that one. And then he also shared that not only are they checking in with their people about how they're doing in their personal lives, but sharing what's going on in their, per in their lives, like the challenges that yeah. they're having at work, the challenges that they're having in their, you know, uh, personal lives, like things that they're going through. And uh, yeah, all in all, human-centric is is definitely the way of the future. Well, and that's where I'd love to give props to Richard Branson. I mean, you know, both Dom and I come from a background with Virgin, and 
I think that's what Richard does really well. Is I, you know, I've been in a taxi cab with him where he sat up front with the cab driver and just asked the most amazing questions and engaged with the taxi driver um, because Richard genuinely cares about people. And that comes across in the ethos that he preaches and the ethos that Virgin Group brings down to their companies. Um, so even though the companies may be very independent, we still all come from the same sort of of um, caring about our, our employees, seeing them as individuals. So, you know, one of the things we have at Virgin Hotels, we hold Barrett sessions. And Barrett stands for be actively ready to exchange ideas and thoughts. And it's where a manager will go and get a group of four or five teammates, grab a cup of coffee with them, and just talk about what's going well, what isn't, information that the manager wants to share that the teammates might not have heard about. You know, and that obviously built to why we built the people platform and there's online versions of Barrett as well. But it's just really important for us to make sure that we're sharing information with our teammates. They're sharing information with us because if we don't know that stuff's going on in their personal lives, how can we um, see them as an entire human being and make sure that they're taken care of? You know, we recently had um, an employee where they had a pretty tough situation come up at home. And they, they were able to tell us about it and we were able to be flexible on their you know scheduling for the next few weeks while they dealt with that. But if they weren't sharing that information with us, we would have you know not been able to understand that maybe they weren't going to be able to come in at 8 a.m. every day for the next week or whatever it was. But if you're not seeing all sides of someone, you can't support them to the best of the uh, abilities that they need to be. So I think this is really interesting and you know we're we have a little extra time and i warned you that we may throw you a, a curveball question or two and and so <laughs> i feel like i would be it, it would be remiss if we didn't ask about culture seeing as you work you know for a virgin brand and and you're known so much for your culture and you know the stories that you've been sharing with us so their uh, culture is really top of mind for uh, for the clients I talked to, you know, the, the conversations we're having on the modern people leader. And there are, I think, companies that are struggling with where their culture's at. And in my mind, you know, there's been so much change and disruption to the way we work that that's going to have an impact to your culture. And so I'm, I'm just curious, like, what, what do you think, how do you look at culture um, and how have you seen, you know, the company Virgin Hotels be successful in kind of maintaining the key parts of your culture? Like what is, what's the secret sauce? Ooh, well, I don't know if I'd go so far as to claim there's a secret sauce, but I think the key thing for us has been to have all of our leadership truly engaged in caring about that culture and caring about what we're building. Um, and one of the ways that we do that is we built an entirely separate employee brand. So when I first joined, I was sitting in some meetings with the marketing team and they were talking about the customer journey. Well, we took that and said, you know, that's a great idea. What about our teammate journey? Because they're our customer. They're our internal customer. So we built this employee experience of what is it like when you first hear about Virgin Hotels? What is it like when you apply for a job with us? What is it like after you've had an application and in an interview and when you're being onboarded? And we took all of these things and said, okay, we, these are all the different touch points we have with an employee. And we created a teammate branding toolkit. So, you know, at every stage of the journey, it's branded in a way that's just for our teammates. 
So when you're walking through our back of house and you see a poster, you know that poster is designed just for you, just for our teammates. Um, and I think that having that strong identity and having employees relate back to that is what really, really matters. Um, just recently, we have a teammate who's a talented artist. He does a lot of um, graffiti art. So he had done some, he's based in our hotel in Chicago. He had, uh, he's been there since before we opened. He's one of our OGs. And he'd done a couple of murals in our back of house and then in our coffee shop in Chicago. So he won a trip to Dallas. And while he was there, he offered to do a mural in their back of house as well. So he's just done a stunning mural for them in their people areas. And he's now going to our hotel in New Orleans to do the same thing. And, um, you know, it's a similar mural, but it's using the faces of our teammates in each hotel. So having that strong identity, that strong brand, that strong sense of we're in this together and this is what it looks like for us, I think really makes a difference. And I don't think a lot of companies spend a lot of time on that. It's not just having, you know, three meals or a foosball table in the um, break room, but it's truly about building a community and building someplace where teammates feel feel seen. Everybody ultimately wants to feel seen as an individual. And I think that's something that we've tried to build with our culture. Yeah, I just feel like it it's something that is so, um, so easy to action. Like, you know, there are a lot of like high tech and low tech ways of listening to your people and understanding like the critical parts of the journey. And what I love about what you described is like you're you're looking at the employee experience holistically and you're identifying like, you know, what is unique about the way that uh, that you guys work. And you know, like you 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 made it seem so straightforward and so simple. And I know that there's work involved and I know that it it's not as uh, as, as easy as like flipping a switch, but it's very practical. And I think that companies are still of the mindset that they want to dictate things to the employee uh, versus like actually just listening and, you know, getting the answers from what they hear from, from the people. Yeah. You know, I, you've absolutely nailed it. I think that's so true. And, you know, again, when we look at what we're trying to do, we actually have a program called VHACS, which is kind of our process improvement program. And we, we hold VHACS when we're having issues with something. But what we find is that the majority of the time, the people that have the answers are the people on the ground doing the work. It's not the executive seating in an office somewhere. So when we do a VHACS session, we make sure that you know our hourly teammates are included, whether it's housekeeping or engineering or food and beverage server, because more often than not, they're the ones that actually have the answers to fix whatever the problem is versus um, the individuals who are you know sitting in an office. Everything that you're talking about goes back to something you just said maybe a minute ago. And basically it all comes down to like, you know, you have a strong culture when your people feel seen. And I was thinking about it and just thinking about the people that I'm friends with or family members, the people that speak glowingly of their company and the cultures that their company has. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm really thinking about it. It all comes down to whether or not they feel seen and uh, yeah, yeah. It, if I have one takeaway from this call, it's like, make your people feel seen. Yeah, and I think we all feel like that in our personal lives too, right? I mean, your friends and your family, when they make you, when you feel seen by them, when you feel like they really understand 
who you are as a person and what you're going through, it's it's very different experience to, um, you know, friends that want to call you up and just talk about themselves or something, right? Um, and so that's essentially what we're just doing is just being there for our teammates and, and seeing who they are as individuals and letting them know that and taking it from there. Well, yeah, and if you feel like you're being seen and you can bring your whole self and and that you like believe that that is like ingrained in you know my experience and in coming into work like I'll never want to leave like I will come in every day if I can show up and really enjoy you know the time I'm spending having authentic relationships and being recognized and being you know feeling as that I'm I'm part of the team like that to me is uh is probably why you guys are seeing all the success that you've had in retaining your your top talent. So on to our last segment of the show. This is our rapid fire questions. And I know we've just been talking about being more human centric, making your people feel seen. But the first question is about metrics. So as as a chief people person, what are the three to four metrics that are the most important for you to look at on a daily, weekly, quarterly basis? Like, are there any KPIs that you're looking at all the time to measure your progress? So, I mean, obviously turnover is an important one, but I think for us, one of the bigger ones is really seeing engagement in the beat, the people platform that I mentioned. If the properties where our teammates are engaging in it more regularly and where they're giving shout outs, we call them Valentines, where they can, you know, thank another teammate or another department for doing something or post different things, you know, share rock stars, which is um, sort of our, our uh employee award program, when we see high levels of engagement from a property, that's generally the property that where we're going to see the lower turnover and where we know um, we're having more success. So from an internal perspective, that's hugely important to us. And then externally, looking at things like TripAdvisor, you know, we don't wear name badges, but I am constantly blown away by how many of our TripAdvisor reviews call out our teammates by name. That means that a guest has learned the guest, uh, the teammate's name and has remembered it because they can't double check the, the pin and see because we're not wearing them. And so if they've taken the time to learn the teammate's name, remember it and go online and write about it, that means we're doing something well. And I'm constantly amazed by how many um, reviews we do get where teammates are mentioned by name. Yeah, it almost feels like there should be a way of scraping the data on TripAdvisor and having like some sort of report that tells you how many times one of your employees has been mentioned in, in one of the reviews. But uh, no, that's, that's definitely a first. We, uh, we track that it. One. Oh, y'all tried that? <laughs> we, definitely, uh, we definitely track it. We actually give awards if you've been mentioned on TripAdvisor and, you know, we wow. um, do contests to see because it is, you know, it just shows that you're really getting out there and engaging with the guests. So we definitely keep a close watch on that. <laughs> Love it. So we were, told that we needed to have you on by by Dom Boone and um you know he immediately thought of you when we asked him this question who's like the one you know person that you've worked with in HR people that you really admire and think that we should have on the show next so I don't want to just give you names of other people from Virgin from Virgin Group companies because um I'm sure uh, your guests would love to hear from other people but the person I think you should talk to that's not necessarily an HR people person, but who has taught me a lot about people um, is actually a lady named Mary Wittenberg. 
And she used to be the CEO of uh, Virgin Sport. And she now worked at, and actually prior to that, she was the head of the New York Roadrunners Association. But um, she now works in, um, yeah, she's an amazing lady. And she now works in Boston um, for a cycling company. And I am not able to find the name of it quickly enough to be really impressive and say it. <laughs> but I, I believe it's called EF um, Sports and they, they sponsor a cycling team. But she's an incredible leader who taught me a great deal about um, people and culture and how to build those things and really build a team. And I know everyone that's ever worked for her still really talks about those opportunities that she gave them. She sounds like an excellent candidate to have on the show. Um, so we've made it to the end of the show. Um, we just have one last thing that we do at the end of every podcast, and it's a one word close, or it could be a phrase. And it's just a phrase or a word that sums up how you felt about the show, or maybe like a takeaway. It could be anything, really. Some people have said some silly things. So uh, I don't know who wants to go first. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going in. Uh, mine is human centric. I'm really stuck on feeling seen. So I'm going to say, oh, nice. You stole it. <laughs> Dang it. Now I don't know what to say. That was going to be mine. That's why I need to go first. I should have, I need to speak up. We've learned. <laughs> yeah. We've learned, Cleo. You got to go. You got to go. You got to be quick. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't, those were such good answers. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have to come up with just one phrase. Dang it. Hmm. I cheat sometimes, so if it's not <laughs> technological challenges can be overcome. Um, <laughs> I like it. That's a, oh, I'm really that's a good one. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> well, it was so awesome, Cleo, to have you on our show today. It was a great conversation. And again, thanks for meeting with us while you're on PTO. It's been it's been a joy. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you both. I really enjoyed this. And I am sorry for the technological issues, but it's been great talking with you both. Thank you. I'm just impressed that you made it on PTO. So thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks for, for tuning in to another episode of The Modern People Leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can, you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.